Well, good morning. Thanks for joining us. If this is your first time or one of your first times, I appreciate you coming. I know sometimes it's hard to step into a new place. If you're joining us online, we appreciate you being with us also. So sophomore year in high school, maybe September, October, I'm going for my annual physical that is required to participate in high school sports. I'm expecting a routine experience when the doctor tells me, oh, you have a hernia, and it's been there since birth. Oh, this is 15 years, and you're telling me that's been there from birth, and, and, and what happened the other 14 years? Well, they missed it. <laughs> um, well, I, you know, I, do I trust this guy? And I've ultimately, the parent, my parents made the decision I was a minor. But yeah, we're going we're gonna to put our trust in this guy. We're going to send you to a surgeon, and he confirmed it. I had uh, surgery, and it, it went fine. But there was a moment we had to trust this doctor. I, I thought things were fine, and, and, and they weren't. We know Jesus comes in a certain way. Many things, things are fine, and, and maybe they're not. Maybe there's some stuff we need to know. So why do we want to trust Jesus? That's what I want to talk about today. So if you've got a Bible, if you'd open it to John chapter 9, verses uh, 1 through 29, we're going to go through this passage and wrestle with this question, what's the impact of trusting Jesus? What is the impact of trusting Jesus? At 15 years old, the impact for, for me and my family was I, I came to health. What's the impact when we trust Jesus? As we open our passage, Jesus has just come from uh, the Feast of Booths, which includes a water ceremony and a light ceremony. Um, and in that, he said, I'm the light of the world. They had um, lamps and bowls, and they'd light up all of Jerusalem. It was significant that God gives insight, and, and God gives life. And Jesus uh, kind of audaciously said, I am the light of the world. So chapter 9, verse 1 opens with, as he passed by. That's a connector, a vague connector, so some time has passed. But there's still a connection to the Feast of Booze and the fact that Jesus is the light of the world. And that's significant because the next part of the verse says he saw a man blind from birth. So this guy's had no light from birth. He's been in darkness. Well, there's raises a question, and his disciples asked him in verse 2, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would be born blind? If you were with us in John 5, uh, there was a paralytic. I've been paralytic uh, 38 years, and Jesus healed him. And afterwards, Jesus found him and said, hey, hey, don't sin anymore so nothing worse may happen to you. And, and that showed there was a direct correlation between the guy's sin and what had happened to him. So is that always the case? When we see somebody ill, somebody sick, there's a direct one-to-one. Now, there's always, in general, pain and suffering is linked to sin, but is, is it always specific? That's what they're asking. Is this specific? Is it the man or his parents? Verse 3, Jesus says it was neither, that this man sinned nor his parents, but it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. So no, we do not have a direct correlation here. But what we are going to see is God redeem this. See the greatness of God put on display. Verse 4, uh, Jesus is talking about the work of God. He says, we must work the works of him who sent me as long as it is day. Night is coming. Night is the crucifixion when no one can work. Jesus being on earth was a unique time of ministry. It was the son of God doing stuff, showing himself to be the son of God. And that's going to change once he goes to the cross. He'll resurrect 40 days and he's out. Jesus said, we need to work while it's day. While I'm in the world, 
He repeats, I am the light of the world. It's not the first time he said that. Light is a significant metaphor from the Old Testament. It gives direction, gives life. All that being said, verse 6 said this. When he had said this, he spat in the ground and made clay of the spittle and applied the clay to his eyes. Now, scholars wrestle with what is the theological significance of that. I don't see a, a big significance. Um, we know that sometimes this connects with people in different ways. But theologically, I, yeah, I don't see anything profound there. But I do see something profound in verse 7. And said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means sent. Jesus is a sent one from God. So he went away and washed, and guess what? He came back seen. Guy, blind from birth, Jesus makes some mud, applies it, go to the pool and wash, and now he can see. How do you explain that? How do you deal with that? Well, that's the question that's in play. So for a time, Jesus is going to drop out of the narrative here, and people are going to kick around. Man, what happened here? What just went down? First, the neighbors, verse 8. Therefore, the neighbors and those who previously saw him as a beggar were saying, is this not the one who used to sit and beg? Others were saying, yeah, this is he. Still others were saying, no, 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 no. But he's like him. So there's some disagreement. So the guy hears this. And he says, yeah, 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 that's me. I'm the one. I'm that guy. You guys wondering, was, it, you know, was that me? I used to beg and I hadn't been, yeah, yeah that's me. So you're part of the community there. You've seen this guy. Sure looks like him. He was blind, now he can see. He says, yeah, 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 I'm that guy. What's the most reasonable thing to conclude? That's him. Jesus did work. But some people don't want to see the most reasonable thing. So, they say to him, verse 10, how then will your eyes open? And he answered, the man who is called Jesus, now obviously he had never seen Jesus, but he'd heard of him. Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said, go, said to me, go to Salome and wash. So I went away and washed and I received sight. They said to him, where is he? The guy says, I don't know. I can't identify him. Remember, I was blind until Jesus showed up. So I don't know who he is. Well, this is an uproar in the community. So you better go to your spiritual leader. So that's what they do. Verse 13. They brought to the Pharisees this man who was formerly blind. Now it was a Sabbath on the day in which Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Throughout the Gospel of John, Jesus has done a lot of work on the Sabbath because the Pharisees had taken the Sabbath, which was meant for a day of rest from your vocation, and corrupted it with all these rules and regulations. He said, yeah, you guys got it wrong. So he works on the Sabbath again. That's noted. In verse 15, we get a condensed version of the conversation. The Pharisees also were asking him how he received his sight. And he said to them, he applied clay to my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Okay, so you got the nuts and bolts of what happened. So now the Pharisees got to decide among themselves, well, what, what, where are we on this? Verse 16, therefore some of the Pharisees were saying, this man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. That's one school of thought. But others were saying, how can a man who is a sinner perform such signs and there was a division among them? So he worked on the Sabbath, so he's out. Can't be from God. 
They say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Man, there's, there's a record of signs. Now, when John wrote his gospel, he said, I wrote that you might believe in the name of Jesus and in believing in him, come to have faith. John spent three years with Jesus and he saw him do a lot of things. And he wrote a lot of these down. And, and we said in the gospel of John, he gives seven signs. We've compared John to being a prosecuting attorney who's trying to convict Jesus and his evidence is the signs. And we've seen him turn water into wine. We've seen him heal a nobleman's son. We've seen him heal, heal a guy who's paralytic 38 years. We saw him get out teaching out in the country and have up to 20,000 people and with five loaves and two fish feed these people. We've seen him walk on the water and now we've seen him heal a man born blind. So, so they're saying, well, man, there's a track record here. Maybe somebody might be able to pull off with some Satan worship, a few magic things, but come on. This is God. So, so they've got this division. So they said to the blind man again, what do you say about him since he's opened your eyes? And he said, he's a prophet. Go, whoa, 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 whoa. This guy's got it wrong about Jesus. He's, he's not a prophet. He's the son of God. You know, this guy's uneducated. He's got a heart for God. And the best he knows, he's, he's a prophet. And, and, and he doesn't have it all figured out. But Jesus sees a heart who wants to know him. So Jesus will show up and help him figure it out. Maybe you're here and you're thinking about Jesus and you don't know what you think. And, and you don't have it all figured out. That's okay. I want to give you space. We want to know God works and is patient with a heart who wants to know him. And we'll see that's what we have here. All right, verse 18. The Jews then did not believe it of him. They had been blind and had received sight until they called the parents of the very one who had received his sight. So we don't believe this guy. We think it's a hoax. So we're going to call his parents. Verse 19. They questioned them saying, is this your son who you say was born blind? Then how does he now see? All right, parents, you're up. Verse 20, his parents answered them and said, we know that this is our son, that he was born blind. But how he sees, we do not know. Or who opened his eyes, we do not know. Ask him, he is of age, he will speak for himself. Why do the parents take this tact? Verse 22 and 23. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone confessed him to be Christ, He's going to be put out of the synagogue. For this reason, his parents said, he's of age. Ask him. Remember, Israel is a theocracy. The, the spiritual leaders not only have spiritual authority, but they have civil authority. If they say you're out, I mean, you're out of the community. You're on the margin. Well, I don't want to be put out. So what will they do? They'll set their kid out on a limb. <laughs> Because being identified with Christ might put them out. Here's my question for you and for me. What so has a hold on us that we deny God? What so controls us that whoa, 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 I'm a backpedal from that? Is it our reputation? You know, you're kind of well liked at work, but you know, you start getting a little. I mean, you don't participate in the jokes. You don't participate in the thing. And it's kind of like you might, you might be banished. You might be marginalized. Is it a promotion at work? You know, if you, if you, man, if you've seen two, you're, that, you're, very, you're kind of religious. 
Yeah, I mean, we don't do that. We don't do religion here. What holds you that you can't fully embrace the truth of Christ? The parents got something. Well, they deny Jesus, but they'll deny their kids. They'll set them out in a limb. So, this guy's on his own. Verse 24, so a second time they called the man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered them, whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. So they said to him, what did he do to to you? How did he open your eyes? At this point, the guy begins to see through their professed impartiality. There's no impartiality here with these leaders. They've come together. They've decided Jesus is not the Son of God. But they need to discredit this guy. They need, they need to get him to recant. So they begin to badger him and push him. Maybe he tells the story again. He'll tell it differently. Maybe we can find a loophole and maybe we can... He answered them, verse 27, I told you already, and you not listen. Now he gets a little testy, he gets a little cheeky. Why do you want to hear it again? You don't want to, want to become his disciples too, do you? Remember, this guy has no authority, no education, no, he's been a beggar. And these guys are the people with the clout. Remember, civil authority, spiritual authority. He starts calling them out. They reviled him and said, You are his disciple, but we are the disciples of Moses. Well, John 5, Jesus says, Moses wrote about me. If you believed Moses, you'd believe me. Well, we'll leave that aside for a moment. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he is from. You gotta give this guy, he's got some pluck. Verse 30, the man answered and said to them, well, here's an amazing thing. That you do not know where he is from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is God-fearing and does his will, he hears them. Since the beginning of time, it has never been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a blind person. If this man were not from God, he could not do anything. He's not gonna be intimidated. I know what happened, I know what I experienced. They answered him, verse 34, you were born entirely in sins, and you are teaching us? They're put off that this nobody would be, I mean, they, they, got, they, have a, they have a theological degree, don't you know? And this guy's calling them out. So they put him out. So he's out of the synagogue. Remember, he's in the theocracy. And this is the place, this is your community, this is civil, this is spiritual authority. He's put out of the synagogue, and you know what? He doesn't care. Why? Why doesn't he care? Because people, he just met Jesus. He just experienced Jesus. He has been his whole life blind. I show up and now I see. Uh, You can put me out, but I ain't denying this guy. He's got something going. You're not going to push me on this. You're not going to get me to back off. At this point, Jesus re-enters the dialogue. Jesus heard, verse 35, they had put him out and finding him. He said, do you believe in the Son of Man? Remember, this guy doesn't at all figure it out. He hadn't been to Sunday school. He hadn't memorized. You know. He answered, who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? Jesus said, 
You have both seen him, and he is the one who is talking with you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. Jesus said, for judgment I came into this world, so that those who do not see may see, and that those who see may become blind. See, we started by asking this question. What's the impact of trusting Jesus? Here's what I'd say. Trusting in Jesus gives us spiritual insight. Trusting in Jesus gives us spiritual insight. This guy, he's never been to Sunday school. He never, he ain't been to seminary. And, and, he, and he's seeing things that the theologically trained people don't see. It's a, it's a matter of the heart. Man, he's experienced Jesus. And you're not going to back him off that. Question for you. How current, how fresh is your experience of Jesus and my experience of Jesus? Because if we don't want to be people who are intimidated, we don't want to be people who are pushed, we don't want to be people who are pushed off our faith, it's going to come down to have we experienced Jesus? Because there's pressure in the world that wants to get us to recant, to push, and this and that. We hold, I mean, it's not a matter of, okay, Pastor, we're all going to suck it up. And we're gonna, no, no, no. Have you experienced Jesus? Have you seen Jesus at work in your life? The degree to which that's true is the degree which you and I will hold firm to our convictions. I shared this before, but I think it's worth thinking about again. How many have been to a 3D movie? You been to a 3D movie? Been to, been to a 3D movie? Okay, when you go into a 3D movie, they give you a set of glasses. Okay? If you don't have those glasses on, you see in two dimensions. You put the glasses on, you see the third dimension. See, Jesus said, I- I'm giving you a set of signs. John's recorded six, he'll give us a seventh. It's just not, hey, you got fed. Hey, I stopped the storm. Hey, I walked in the water. No, they're pointing to a deeper reality that I'm the son of God, and I need you to believe in me. When we believe in Jesus, when we take him at his word, we put the glasses on and we see the world for what it is. We see the third dimension, if you will. You know, Jesus came with this stuff not not, not to put on a show, but redeem us from our sin. See, all of us have pushed back. All of us have rebelled against God. We said, God, in one way or another, you go your way, I'll do mine. I'll, I'll call my own shot, I'll do my own thing. The Bible calls that sin. In eternity past, the Father sent the Son to take on our sin. So 2,000 years ago, Jesus was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life. By design, went to the cross in a mockery of the trial, was found guilty on a Friday, hung on a cross, Confirmed dead Friday afternoon. Wrapped in clothes, put in a tomb, rolled the stone over, put a guard out in front. You keep that body in there, and Sunday morning he came out. Why? What was all that about? It was for you and for me to take on our sin. If you'd never trusted Christ, I want to invite you to do that right now. He'll forgive your sin. He'll restore your heart. And then that connection with God will allow us to see the world as it is spiritually. But you know, there's a couple things that keep us from doing it that we've seen in this passage. One's fear. There'll be rejection. The world won't like that. 
to the degree which we experience Jesus, we'll be able to push back on that fear. But there's another one. It's pride. And, and we see it in the Pharisees. And, and they've kind of listened in. They snooped on Jesus' conversation with the blind man. Jesus talked about being blind and see. So, so they got a response to that, verse 40 and 41. It says, those of the Pharisees who were with him heard these things and said to him, we're not blind too, are we? You, you saying we're blind? Jesus said, if you were blind, you would have no sin. But since you say we see, your sin remains. Yeah, you're blind. You're so proud. You're so sure of yourself. You're so arrogant that you don't see the need for me. And you're for all your time. And listen, I, I got a seminary degree, so I'm not, I'm, I'm not knocking education. I'm, not, I'm pro-education. I'm pro-know the Bible. But if, if that gives us a pride that makes, the, we th- makes us think we don't know Jesus, we've missed the point. The Bible's all about our need for Jesus. The Bible's all about our sinfulness. And it's all about God's grace and our need for him. Are people living with insight? Are we living in our own fear, our own pride? So we, back in the day, I was a chemical engineering major. I was in school when the petrochemical industry was booming. So these oil companies would hire us in the summer, pay us this stupid wage to try and recruit us, and then hopefully when we graduated, we'd go to work for them. So I was working in Snyder, Texas, in the panhandle of Texas for Sun Oil. And I was in the gas plant for six weeks. I'd spend two weeks in the truck, two weeks with the operations guys, and two weeks in the office with the chemical engineer. But I got to know some of the guys who worked on the, the uh, compressors. And the compressors, the footprint, you could probably fit two of them in this room. There were 23 of them right down the thing. So one of the guys said, uh, Mike, who's the engineer, about a year ago came in and decided we need to up production because gas was selling high. We need to, we need to up production because it's, it's profitable. Bobby was the foreman. And Bobby had been in the plant longer than Mike had been alive, literally. Bobby started at 18 years old and he was 60. He was the plant foreman. And when Mike suggests that, he said, Mike, that's not going to work. Because what's going to happen is you up production, but you're going to increase maintenance costs. You're going to burn through gaskets. You're going to burn through things. And like when you change a gasket, the head was so big, you had to bring a wench over and bring things down and lift the head. I mean, it was, it was just a lot of work. And they had a crew to do regular maintenance. But you step up production, you're going to have to start paying. Over time, you're going to have to start paying uh, increased costs for products and replacement stuff. And Mike said, well, yeah, he, he got the engineering degree. So, no, we're, we're going to try this. So they did it for six months. You know what they found out after six months? The increased maintenance costs, more than offset the increased income of the additional gas. So you know what they did? They dialed it back to the original production. And, and Bobby said, yeah, that's, that's what we found over 40 years. This is the place it runs at its best. What's my point? Bobby knew that plant. Mike had a degree Bobby knew the plan. We've got someone who knows the creation. He made this thing. Jesus hadn't been in the creation 40 years. He's been from eternity. He spoke the thing into existence. And we get our stuff and we think we know and we got our education. And there's nothing wrong with this stuff, but, but we're missing out on the one who knows. I created this Hummer. Let me tell you how it runs. Let me give you insight. And it starts with recognizing me, my authority, my position as the Lamb of God who's taken away the sin of the world.
You want to see things as they are? We want to see things as they are? When you take Jesus as his word, he's the son of God. There's a couple things that will keep us from that. Fear and pride. That we would be people that wouldn't let fear and pride keep us from embracing the one who knows, the creator of the world. Would you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, we're grateful for Jesus and his work as the son of God. The one who is the light of the world. The one who says, I give insight. The one who heals the blind. The one who brings light to those of us who have not seen. Lord, that we would see past being enamored with the miracles to the reality they point to. That he is like no man ever born of a woman. He is the son of God. Would we embrace Jesus as your son, our savior. Pray this in Christ's name. Amen.